Libby, you beautiful tropical fish. I'm here today to read you another chapter. But before we get there, I have some things to say. Um, this is for chapter three, so I'm just really hoping that you have not listened to chapter two yet because I think I'm going to re-record that B. Um, thank you, James, for letting me know because I don't literally do not listen to anything. So I have no idea if it sounds like poo. And it sounded like poo because my microphone was going cray-cray. And so I'm trying a new microphone and hopefully that microphone doesn't do the thing, but it's the same as the other one. It's just a duplicate copy. So I don't know about these things. They're too complicated. Out of my league. Maybe, maybe if you could do some sleuthing, Lib, if you could ask Orion what a, an inexpensive or affordable, um, audio, does he know anything about audio record? He knows things about, I don't know. I assume so. Isn't that what he went to school? I mean, Sure, sure, why wouldn't he? He would know that. Please, please ask. Maybe I should ask him. I don't know. It's too hard. I, okay, anyway. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to say some more words because, Libby, I know I, ma I make this for you, my dear friend. Obviously. I think that's obvious by now. Um, however, I think it's also obvious by now. I can undoubtedly say there are... Uh, that I'm just basically an international superstar, you know what I mean? Because, I, I mean, there's data. There's data to support this. I've received personal messages from people. And I'm just in awe. So I want to shout out these people again. Because I'm going to recap. Because I think it's crazy. Um, James from Australia. First ever to reach out. Next, Pranav from India. Sweet. Awesome. Hilly, I don't know exactly what country she's from, but I'm going to guess Israel. That's my guess. Lara, I assume, is from the Netherlands. Fran is from the U.S. and not Wisconsin, but from Wisconsin, which is... Sh Fran, come on, girl. <laughs> you got me subconscious of my accent. Um, I admittedly have an accent, but it's still weird to think about. Anyway, and Madison from Australia, again, here we go, crazy. So, you know what I'm saying, like, what? People on multiple continents, the, the internet's just bamboozling me, but I just would like to say, now I have like a goal, and I don't mean to have a goal, but like, I have a goal. I, it would be oh, crazy if I was reaching people on all of the continents. Now, I think Antarctica is a little bit un... And that might be an unreasonable request. But I think the other ones are achievable based on the statistics I've seen. Because I'm just missing South America and Africa. And, um... They, allegedly? Allegedly you're out there. So allegedly, if you are out there, you should reach out to me on Instagram. And tell me about yourself, where you're from. I'm curious. I'm just very curious about how you how you came here. But, um, and I think Libby is too. I mean, honestly, Libby, like I'm telling you this because I feel like this is like bamboozling for the both of us, okay? It's bamboozling. I mean, not in a bad way, but <laughs> I'm flattered is all I'm saying. So anyway, that's what I wanted to say about that. Um, also, yeah, just about the quality of this. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I also really can't listen to it because then I get really self-conscious. And I'm like, okay, well, I got to delete that and redo that. The whole thing. 
but um if i do end up re-recording it before 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 you get a chance to listen to it and hear how terrible it is e i was um having some wine i was it was, yeah, it was just family weekend family fishing weekend and um but it just kept cutting out all the time but anyway okay yeah i'm feeling a little bit i don't know i'm not under the weather but my nose is always giving me griefs but i think it's today a heat wave scooty today's not a heat wave i thought it might it seems it's very sunny outside so by the window it's like very warm i moved the curtain for him so he could get into his hammock which he's not laying in he's yelling on the couch next to me squawking like a a bird, um, as you can hear, um, but, um, it's only seven degrees, but very sunny. So, good for Jer. I don't know. I think he's outside. I don't know where he, he he's doing a, a training thingy, Jiggy. A training. It's part of school for his firefighting thing. I, and, like, um, they only get access to, like, some of these equipments and stuff to get to learn how to do stuff. Sometimes, like, on Saturdays, so... A lot of the time he's doing stuff on Saturdays. And so we had to come back from family weekend early. Scooty, please, please. He wants to make biscuits and other things with my blanket. And probably also climb on my lap as per usual. Oh, I guess that's like one other excuse. If, you, if you're not Libby and you would love to see who this little terrorist living in my house is, uh, you could look at my Instagram. I'm pretty sure it's public. And you could see pictures of this dope. And there might be pictures of me that don't look like me. So, <laughs> they're wrong. But isn't that all of us? Okay, I have not taken a good picture since I have got my hair cut short. I feel like I hate every one of them that has taken of me because it's, I never... It's so high maintenance. Like, it feels low maintenance, but it's high maintenance because you have to get your hair cut all the time. And then, now my hair is just long and it looks like I just look like an old lady, I feel like. And excuse me, I have to drink because my mouth's so dry, but um <clears throat> Yeah, so I know like my the thing about it is, is I would like to just shave my head by myself, I think. I think maybe that's what I want to do and because I don't like having to ask people and I like I love my sister in law to cut my hair for me, but um Sometimes I'm just like, this is driving me crazy. I want to take the clipper to my head. So I asked her, while we were there, what, like, if I was to try and clipper my hair, what what size, what size thingajig would I put on there? So I think I might go for it. I might go for it later today. That would be crazy, but I'm feeling like it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, enough about me enough about me i feel like there's nothing more i didn't have much more to say i don't think um nothing too crazy happened on family weekend i did maybe drink a little too much i imbibed i had you know just two bottles of wine to myself that's that's a normal amount to drink right <laughs> no it's not i should not have done that because then I just, like, wake up. If I can manage to fall asleep without spinning, I, like, wake up. I'm having, like, heart palpitations. I wake up to myself dying hungover. Um, and my blood pressure going crazy and not feeling well. And then trying to force myself back to sleep. 
So it's not good. I shouldn't do that, but luckily I don't really have haven't really had like a bad headache or anything, but I definitely feel maybe like I'm gonna die a little bit. <laughs> but I also should just take better care of myself in general and maybe not drink two bottles of wine. Uh what can you say? Um, all right. <laughs> I think without further ado, I should jump right in <clears throat> to chapter three of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows by J.K. Rowling. It's year seven at Hogwarts, potentially for Harry. Of course, we're not there yet because it's the beginning of the book and that's how it always is. And that's how I'm always a big baby about it. <laughs> but the story is so juicy that this is the one that I don't care that I have to wait. Anyway, chapter three, the Dursleys departing. Uh, the chapter art is per usual black and white. It's lighter. It's daytime, I think. Um, we are in a house, presumably. We look like we're in a living room or something. Um, you can see in the distance there's an arch, like, in a wall, like, an opening in a wall, so to speak. Like, a door, I guess? A door. What is a door? Is the definition of a door is the door itself. The, d the door. So, it would be, like, but if you have a wall with a hole in it and no door, what do you call that? <laughs> is there a word? I don't know. Anyway, right? I need to focus, um, but yeah, so there's like a painting and there's like flowers in a vase and the point, Scooty, my duty, my poor baby, if your belly hurts, you should go to the bathroom, but also sometimes that doesn't, I feel like it might be his kidney stones. I mean, I feel like that's, I don't know, maybe he's just a jerk. Maybe he doesn't like hearing me read. He's laying next to me on my, the majority of my blanket, naturally. And his head is on my arm. So, and his arm, his arm, his arm is pinning me down. So, naturally. He's got me pin, pinned down, kind of. Even though I refuse to pin me down completely. But he's doing his best. Anyway, okay. The chapter art contains. Now, why can't I think of his name? Dudley. Dudley Dursley, I think. And Harry, shaking hands, looking cordial. So, Dudley is this, he's like a, he's doesn't look that much taller than Harry, but he's definitely rounder. Like, his top half is, like, he's meteor, the shizzle. And he's kind of round. But, uh, he's wearing a leather jacket, and he's got blonde hair. Okay, he kind of looks like, um, oh, man, I don't know. It's too specific to be, like, in sync or Backstreet Boys. For sure, Backstreet Boys. Now, oh, I'm getting closer. Nick Carter? No, Backstreet Boys. Is he a Backstreet? He was a Backstreet Boy, I think. Nick Carter? Aaron Carter's brother? I think. I don't know. Maybe I'm making stuff up. I have no idea. Anyway, um, he's got blonde hair that's like long, but it's like shaved on the side. It's short on the sides and it's like parted down the middle. And I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying about that haircut? But he's shaking Harry's hand and we know it's Harry because it's got black hair and the round glasses. Okay, well, get up and go. Bye bye. Go to the bathroom. Um, yeah. Here we go. The sound of the front door slamming echoed up the stairs and a voice yelled, Oi, you! 
Sixteen years of being addressed thus left Harry in no doubt whom his uncle was calling. Nevertheless, he did not immediately respond. Stop it, Scooty. Not okay. He's trying to do naughty things to my blankie. He was still gazing at the mirror fragment in which, for a split second, he thought he had saw Dumbledore's eye. It was not until his uncle bellowed, Boy! that Harry got slowly to his feet and headed for the bedroom door, pausing to add the piece of broken mirror to the rucksack filled with things he would be taking with him. You took your time, roared Vernon Dursley when Harry appeared at the top of the stairs. Get down here, I want a word. Harry strolled downstairs, his hands deep in his jeans pockets. When he reached the living Deep in your jeans pockets. I wish I had jeans that had deep pockets. Oh, oh, that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Now, where was I? (laughs) The jean pockets. When he reached the living room, he found all three Dursleys. They were dressed for traveling. Uncle Vernon in a fawn zip-up jacket, Aunt Petunia in a neat salmon-colored coat, and Dudley, Harry's large, blonde, muscular cousin, in his leather jacket. Yeah, he's large, but he looks muscly. But also, you know, he's just large. He's big. Yes, asked Harry. Sit down, said Uncle Vernon. Harry raised his eyebrows. Please, added Uncle Vernon, my dad. Like, never says please unless you're like, um, please. I always say please to make him say please. But he's getting better. But you got to tell people, you know. You may never learn your manners. I'll teach him to you. <laughs> just like Aaron at work. Yo, you're interrupting. Back off. Wait, did I tell you? I don't know what I've told you. What happened the other day? I feel like I didn't read that day, and so maybe I forgot to tell you. He interrupted Clavin, our boss. And I was like, yo, I think this is proof that he's not, that he's doing it just because he's, like, worked up, not because he's, like, targeting any specific person. But, um, yes. Okay, anyway, where was I? (laughs) Oh. Please, added Uncle Vernon, wincing slightly as though the word was sharp in his throat. Aaron, (laughs) Aaron, dang it. Okay, brain, get back on track. Harry sat. He thought he knew what was coming. His uncle began to pace up and down, Aunt Petunia and Dudley following his movements with anxious expressions. Finally, his large purple face crumpled with concentration. Uncle Vernon stopped in front of Harry and spoke. I've changed my mind, he said. What a surprise, said Harry. Don't you take that tone, began Aunt Petunia. Oh, it's a shrill voice. I didn't do a shrill voice. I can't do a shrill. Don't you take that tone, began Aunt Petunia in a shrill voice. But Vernon Dursley waved her down. It's all a lot of claptrap, said Uncle Vernon, glaring at Harry with piggy little eyes. I decided I don't believe a word of it. We're staying put. We're not going anywhere. Harry looked up at his uncle and felt a mixture of exasperation and amusement. Vernon Dursley had been changing his mind every 24 hours for the past four weeks, packing and unpacking and repacking the car with every change of heart. Harry's favorite moment had been the one when Uncle Vernon, unaware that Dudley had added his dumbbells to his case since the last time it had been unpacked, had attempted to hoist it back into the boot and collapsed with roars of pain and much swearing. (laughs) According to you, Vernon Dursley said now, resuming his pacing up and down the living room. We, Petunia, Dudley, and I, are in danger from, from 
some of my lot. Right, said Harry. Well, I don't believe it, repeated Uncle Vernon, coming to a halt in front of Harry again. I was awake half the night thinking it all over, and I believe it's a plot to get the house. The house? repeated Harry. What house? The shrieked Uncle Vernon. The vein in his... <laughs> Damn, you know some people who got their vein in their forehead that do that pulse thing. Um, I hope mine doesn't do that, but I suppose. If I was really worked on, maybe it'd do. Well, I don't know. This house, shrieked Uncle Vernon, the vein in his forehead starting to pulse. Our house! House prices are skyrocketing around here. You want us out of the way, and then you're going to do a bit of hocus-pocus, and before we know it, the deeds will be in your name, and... Are you out of your mind? demanded Harry. A plot to get this house? Are you actually as stupid as you look? Don't you dare! Oh, don't you dare! squealed Aunt Petunia. But again, Vernon waved her down. Slights on his personal appearance were, it seemed, as nothing to the danger he had spotted. What? What is this even? What? Scooty, huh? Just in case you've forgotten, said Harry, I've already got a house. My godfather left me one. So why would I want this one? All the happy memories? There was silence. Harry thought he had rather impressed his uncle with this argument. You claim, said Uncle Vernon, starting to pace yet again. That this Lord thing, Voldemort, said Harry impatiently, and we've been through this about a hundred times already. This isn't a claim, it's fact, Dumbledore told you last year, and Kingsley and Mr. Weasley, Vernon Dursley, hunched his shoulders angrily, and Harry guessed that his uncle was attempting to ward off recollections of the unannounced visit a few days into Harry's summer holidays of two fully grown wizards. The arrival on the doorstep of Kingsley Shacklebolt and Arthur Weasley had come as a most unpleasant shock to the Dursleys. Harry had to admit, however, that as Mr. Weasley had once demolished half of the living room, his reappearance could not have been expected to delight Uncle Vernon. Kingsley and Mr. Weasley explained it all as well. Harry pressed on remorselessly, once I'm 17, the protective charm that keeps my that keeps me safe will break, and that exposes you as well as me. The order is sure Voldemort The order is sure Voldemort will target you, whether to torture you to try and find out where I am, or because he thinks by holding you hostage I'd come and try to rescue you. Uncle Vernon's and Harry's eyes met. Harry was sure that in that instant they were both wondering the same thing. Then Uncle Vernon walked on and Harry resumed. You've got to go into hiding and the order wants to help. You're being offered serious protection, the best there is. Uncle Vernon said nothing, but continued to pace up and down. Outside, the sun hung low over the privet hedges. The next door neighbor's lawnmower stalled again. I thought there was a ministry of magic, asked Vernon Dursley abrupt, abruptly. Yeah. Scooty, I know if your belly hurts, go to the bathroom. Ah! It's like arguing with a wall. <laughs> I know he doesn't know what I'm saying, but seriously, it happens all the time. As you know. Anyway. <clears throat> blah, blah, blah. I thought there was a ministry of magic, asked Vernon Dursley abruptly. There is. Scooty! There is, said Harry, surprised. That, well then, why can't they protect us? It seems to me that, as innocent victims, guilty of nothing more than harboring a marked man, we ought to qualify for government protection. Harry laughed. He could not help himself. 
It was so very typical of his uncle to put his hopes in the establishment, even within this world that he despised and mistrusted. You heard what Mr. Weasley and Kingsley said, Harry replied. We think the ministry has been infiltrated. Uncle Vernon strode to the fireplace and back, breathing so heavily that his great black mustache rippled, his face still purple with concentration. All right, he said, stopping in front of Harry yet again. All right, let's say, for the sake of argument, we accept this protection. I still don't see why we can't have that Kingsley bulk. Harry managed not to roll his eyes, but with difficulty. This question had also been addressed half a dozen times. As I've told you, he said through gritted teeth, Kingsley is protecting the, I mean, your prime minister. Exactly. He's the best, said Uncle Vernon, pointing at the blank television screen. I want the best. Nothing but the best. No, he didn't say that. I said that. The Dursleys had spotted Kingsley on the news. Walking along discreetly behind the muggle prime minister as he visited a hospital. This, and the fact that Kingsley had mastered the knack of dressing like a muggle, not to mention a certain reassuring something in his slow, deep voice, had caused the Dursleys to take to Kingsley in a way that they had certainly not done with any other wizard, although it was true that they had never seen him with his earring in. Ooh, (laughs) his earring. Well, he's taken, said Harry. But Hestia Jones and Dattelus Diggle are more than up to the job. If we've even seen CVs, demand. <laughs> you want their resumes? It means nothing to you and you comprehend none of it. Okay. <laughs> if we'd even seen CVs, began Uncle Vernon, but Harry lost patience. Getting to his feet, he advanced on his uncle, now pointing at the TV set himself. These accidents aren't accidents. The crashes and explosions and derailments and whatever else has happened since we last watched the news. People are disappearing and dying, and he's behind it. Voldemort. I told you this over and over again. He kills muggles for fun. Even the fogs, they're caused by dementors. And if you can't remember what they are, ask your son. Dudley's hands jerked upward to cover his mouth. With his parents and Harry's eyes upon him. Scooty, you are so interrupty. You little interrupter. With his parents and Harry's eyes upon him, he slowly lowered them again and asked, There are more of them? More? laughed Harry. More than the two that attacked us, you mean? Of course there are. There are hundreds, maybe thousands by this time, seeing as they feed off fear and despair. All right, all right, blustered Vernon Dursley. You've made your point. I hope so, said Harry, because once I'm 17, all of them, Death Eaters, Dementors, maybe even Inferi, which means dead bodies enchanted by a dark wizard, will be able to find you and will certainly attack you. And if you remember the last time you tried to outrun wizards, I think you'll agree you need help. There was a brief silence in which the distant echo of Hagrid smashing down a wooden front door seemed to reverberate through the intervening years. Aunt Petunia was looking at Uncle Vernon. Dudley was staring at Harry. Finally, Uncle Vernon blurted out, But what about my work? What about Dudley's school? I don't suppose those things matter to a bunch of layabout wizards. Don't you understand? shouted Harry. They will torture and kill you like they did my parents. Dad, said Dudley in a loud voice. Dad, I'm going with these order people. Dudley, said Harry. For the first time in your life, you're talking sense. 
He knew that the battle was won. If Dudley was frightened enough to accept the order's help, his parents would accompany him. There could be no question of being separated from their Diddykins. Harry glanced at the carriage clock on the mantelpiece. They'll be here in about five minutes, he said, and when none of the Dursleys replied, he left the room. The prospect of parting, probably forever, from his aunt and uncle and cousin was one that he was able to contemplate quite cheerfully, but there was nevertheless a certain awkwardness in the air. What did you say to one another at the end of 16 years' solid dislike? <laughs> Honestly, I I know what you mean, and I only had to do it after like six months. It was terrible. My roommate in college, when I, when I moved out, I was like, bro, you're the worst. And I know I've probably been the worst too, so let's just agree to disagree and not talk shit about each other anymore because I know I've done it about you and you've done it about me so let's just get it let's just not do that we're fine and then I took my form to my RA and she looked at it and was like she signed on the wrong line you need to get her to resign it and I was like what she's like yeah she needed to have signed on this line and she signed on this line of the stupid ass form saying I'm leaving I was like are you kidding me so I went into the common room and there she was talking shit about me to her friends. And I was like, you signed the wrong line. You needed to sign here. And she signed. And then I walked out. It was so awkward. It was the most awkward thing ever. So honestly, I kind of feel you. I kind of feel Harry. I feel you. Feel you, Harry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. Back in his bedroom, Harry fiddled aimlessly with his rucksack, then poked a couple of owl nuts through the bars of Hedwig's cage. They fell with dull thuds to the bottom, where she ignored them. We're leaving soon, really soon, Harry told her, and then you'll be able to fly again. The doorbell rang. Harry hesitated, then headed back out of his room and downstairs. It was too much to expect Hestia and Daedalus, 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 I don't know how to say this, Daedalus, Daedalus, that's gotta be it, Hestia and Daedalus, to cope with the Dursleys on their own. Harry Potter, squeaked an excited voice the moment Harry had opened the door. A small man in a mauve top hat was sweeping him a deep bow. An honor as ever. Thanks, Dedalus, said Harry, bestowing a small and embarrassed smile upon the dark-haired Hestia. It's really good of you to do this. They're through here, my aunt and uncle and cousin. Good day to you, Harry Potter's relatives, said Dedalus happily, striding into the living room. The Dursleys did not look at all happy to be addressed thus. Harry half expected another change of mind. Dudley shrank nearer to his mother's at the sight of the witch and wizard. I see you are packed and ready. Excellent. The plan is, the plan, as Harry has told you, is a simple one, said Dedalus, pulling an immense pocket watch out of his waistcoat and examining it. We shall be leaving before Harry does. Due to the danger of using magic in your house, Harry being still underage, it could provide the ministry with an excuse to arrest him. We shall be driving, say, ten miles or so, before disapparating to the safe location we have picked out for you. You know how to drive, I take it? He asked Uncle Vernon politely. Know how to... Of course I ruddy well know how to drive, spluttered Uncle Vernon. Very clever of you, sir, very clever. I personally would be utterly bamboozled by all those buttons and knobs, said... <laughs> Oh, that's how I feel kind of in our new car. We got a new car, but it's an old car, but it's a new car. I don't know if I told you that either, but we did. 
it helps a Toyota 4Runner, but I don't know if I already told you, so I'm just going to leave it at that. He was clearly under the impression that he was flattering Vernon Dursley, who was visibly losing confidence in the plan with every word Daedalus spoke. Can't even drive, he muttered under his breath, his mustache rippling indignantly. But fortunately, neither Daedalus nor Hestia seemed to hear him. You, Harry, Daedalus continued, will wait here for your guard. There has been a little change in the arrangements. What do you mean, said Harry at once. I thought Mad-Eye was, was going to come and take me by side-along apparition. Can't do, said Hestia tersely. Mad-Eye will explain. The Dursleys, who had listened to all of this with looks of utter incomprehension on their faces, jumped as a loud voice screeched, Hurry up! Harry looked all around the room before realizing that the voice had issued from Daedalus's pocket watch. Quite right, we're operating to a very tight schedule, said Daedalus, nodding. <laughs> okay, but honestly, what's the difference between a phone? That's pretty smart. I wish I had a little clock to yell at me. I mean, a pocket clock. That's, that you could pro, that's my, I mean, you could do the same thing with the phone. You just set the alarm. Dude. Ooh. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Deadless, nodding at his watch and tucking it back into his... Okay, what am I saying? I turned the page and I'm... Quite right, we're operating a very tight schedule, said Deadless, nodding at his watch and tucking it back into his waistcoat. We are attempting to time your departure from the house with your family's disapparition, Harry. Thus, the charm breaks at the moment you all head for safety. He turned to the Dursleys. Well... Are we all packed and ready to go? None of them answered him. Uncle Vernon was still staring, appalled, at the bulge in Daedalus's waistcoat pocket. Perhaps we should wait outside in the hall, Daedalus murmured. Oh, she murmured. Perhaps we should wait outside in the hall, Daedalus murmured Hestia. She clearly felt that it would be tactless for them to remain in the room while Harry and the Dursleys exchanged loving, possibly tearful farewells. There's no need, Harry muttered. But Uncle Vernon made any further explanation unnecessary by saying loudly, Well, this is goodbye then, boy. He swung his right arm upward to shake Harry's hand, but at the last moment seemed unable to face it, and merely closed his fist and began swinging it backward and forward like a metronome. Ready, Diddy? asked Aunt Petunia, fussily checking the clasp of her handbag so as to avoid looking at Harry altogether. Dudley did not answer but stood there with his mouth slightly ajar, reminding Harry a little of the giant grop. Come along then, said Uncle Vernon. He had already reached the living room door when Dudley mumbled, I don't understand. What don't you understand, Popkin? asked Aunt Petunia, looking up at her son. Dudley raised a large ham-like hand to point at Harry. Why isn't he coming with us? Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia froze where they stood staring at Dudley as though he had just expressed a desire to become a ballerina. What? said Uncle Vernon loudly. Why isn't he coming too? asked Dudley. Well, he, he doesn't want to, said Uncle Vernon, turning to glare at Harry and adding, You don't want to, do you? Not in the slightest, said Harry. There you are, Uncle Vernon told Dudley. Now come on, we're off. He marched out of the room. They heard the front door open, but Dudley did not move, and after a few halter her, a few faltering steps, Aunt Petunia stopped too. What now? barked Uncle Vernon, reappearing in the doorway. It seemed that Dudley was struggling with concepts too difficult to put into words. After several moments of apparently painful and internal struggle, he said, But where's he going to go? Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon looked at each other. 
It was clear that Dudley was frightening them. Hestia Jones broke the silence. But surely you know where your nephew is going, she asked, looking bewildered. Certainly we know, said Uncle said Vernon Dursley. He's off with some of your lot, isn't he? Right, Dudley, let's get in the car. You heard the man. We're in a hurry. Again, Vernon Dursley marched as far as the front door, but Dudley did not follow. Off with some of our lot? Oh, I didn't um, say that well, I don't think. Off with some of our lot? Hestia looked outraged. Harry had met this attitude before. Witches and wizards seemed stunned that his closest living relatives took so little interest in the famous Harry Potter. It's fine, Harry assured her. It doesn't matter, honestly. Doesn't matter, repeated Hestia, her voice rising ominously. Don't these people realize what you've been through? What danger you are in? The unique position you hold in the hearts of the anti-Voldemort movement? Uh, no, they don't, said Harry. They think I'm a waste of space, actually, but I'm used to... I don't think you're a waste of space. Oh, I don't think you're a waste of space. If Harry had not seen Dudley's lips move, he might not have believed it. As it was, he stared at Dudley for several seconds before accepting that it must have been his cousin who had spoken. For one thing, Dudley had turned red. Harry was embarrassed and astonished himself. Well, uh, thanks, Dudley. Again, Dudley appeared to grapple with thoughts too unwieldy for expression before mumbling, You saved my life. Not really, said Harry. It was your soul that Aventor would have taken. He looked curiously at his cousin. They had virtually no contact during this summer or last, as Harry had come back to Privet Drive so briefly and kept to his room so much. It now dawned on Harry, however, that the cup of cold tea in which he had trodden that morning might not have been a booby trap at all. Although rather touched, he was nevertheless quite relieved that Dudley appeared to have exhausted his ability to express his feelings. After opening his mouth once or twice again, Dudley subsided into scarlet-faced silence. Aunt Petunia burst into tears. Hestia Jones gave her an approving look that, cha- that changed to outrage as Aunt Petunia ran forward and embraced Dudley rather than Harry. So sweet, daughters, she sobbed into his massive chest. Such a lovely boy, saying thank you. But he hasn't said thank you at all, said Hestia indignantly. He only said he didn't think Harry was a waste of space. Yeah, but coming from Dudley, that's like, I love you. Oh, that that wasn't Aunt Petunia talking. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, but coming from Dudley, that's like, I love you, said Harry. Torn between annoyance and a desire to laugh as Aunt Petunia continued to clutch at Dudley as if he had just saved Harry from a burning building. Are we going or not? roared Uncle Vernon, reappearing yet again at the living room door. I thought we were on a tight schedule. Yes, yes we are, said Dedalus Diggle, who had been watching this exchange with an air of bemusement and now seemed to pull himself together. We really must be off, Harry. He tripped forward and wrung Harry's hand with both of his own. Good luck. I hope we meet again. The hopes of the wizarding world rest upon your shoulders. Oh, said Harry. Right, thanks. Farewell, Harry, said Hestia, also clasping his hand. Our thoughts go with you. I hope everything's okay, said Harry, with a glance toward Aunt Petunia and Dudley. Oh, I'm sure we shall end up the best of chums, said Said Diggle brightly, waving his hat as he left the room. Hestia followed him. Dudley gently released himself from his mother's clutches and walked toward Harry, who had to repress an urge to threaten him with magic. But then Dudley held out his large pink hand. 
Blimey, Dudley, said Harry over Aunt Petunia's renewed sobs. Did the Dementors blow a different personality into you? Dunno, muttered Dudley. See you, Harry. Yeah, said Harry, taking Dudley's hand and shaking it. Maybe. Take care, Big D. Dudley nearly smiled, then lumbered from the room. Harry heard his heavy footfalls on the gravel drive, and then a car door slammed. Aunt Petunia, whose face had been buried in her handkerchief, looked around at the sound. She did not seem to have expected to find herself alone with Harry. Hastily stowing her wet handkerchief into her pocket, she said, Well, goodbye, and marched toward the door without looking at him. Goodbye, said Harry. She stopped and looked back. For a moment, Harry had the strangest feeling that she wanted to say something to him. She gave him an odd, tremulous look and seemed to teeter on the edge of speech, but then, with a little jerk of her head, she bustled out of the room after her husband and son. And that's the end of chapter three.